And we are live. Welcome to this latest episode of Totally Unscripted. My name is Martin Hoxie. I'm joined by Charles Maxson. Hello, Charles. Hello, Martin. Hello, Stephen. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and hello, Steve. Hi, Martin. Hi, Charles. And hello, everyone else. I'm looking forward to uh, today's guest. Mm. I am, too. We always talk about building add-ons. This will be great. We'll actually get to talk to folks who have actually built and delivered a really successful add-on. And so we'll actually know, you know, now it's not how the sausage is made, it's how it's actually eaten, which is going to be great. Well, yes, and we're we're not talking small fry here. We're talking big. We're yeah. talking big customer base, um, big usage, big revenue. Um, so I think for our uh, for our viewers, hopefully there's lots for you to digest from this. As ever, uh, the uh, YouTube live chat is open if you want to um, ask any questions. I just want to quickly do a quick promo. Um, so uh, something that has just recently been relaunched is the mm -hmm. Google Workspace Developer Newsletter. And we're very pleased to uh, have been featured, featured in the Community Spotlight section. Uh, so uh, you can uh, subscribe to that. There's a Google Forum. So you can subscribe to that. Hey, anything you want to say? I know, Charles, you're involved in this to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. So our marketing team is really trying to get the awareness out about all the things you can do. And so we're definitely interested in community submissions. So if you've got something you're interested in, let us know. You want to promote it. You want to talk about it. You want to showcase whether it's courseware or learnings or whatever. We love to highlight great things that folks are doing. So, for example, you can see Ben Collins is one of the renowned educators when it comes to building uh, solutions on sheets. Um, they showcase some of the work he's done. And it's just a great way to actually share with people. And so it's a big community. So don't just read, uh, jump in and let us know how we can uh, we can showcase stuff. Excellent. So I think we should bring on our guests. I think um, there's been a lot of excitement around mm -hmm. um, our, our particular topic uh, today. So we've got uh, Mikael and we've also got James from uh, I don't know if you've heard of them before. Supermetrics, global <laughs> leaders in, for marketeers, anyone that's got a bit of um, uh, online ad spend, I'm sure you've you've come across Supermetrics and their their array of products. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah. So you. I I should um, so Mikhail's actually been involved in Google Apps Script for a long time so uh if people don't know the super metric story we'll, we'll probably get to that in a second but uh I, I went through my archives uh and um this is a post i i wrote in uh 2010 so uh june 18th so almost 11 years ago so this is one of my posts where i was looking at um uh getting twitter into google sheets and then You'll see there's a reference to uh, something Mikhail put together. Uh, this post is is vanished now, but I, I, <laughs> I dug it out. I dug it out the, the way back machine. Um, so this is this is really kind of Mikhail, some of your origin story. Um, uh, the, you know, I think quite a few people have um, perhaps heard of the, uh, the 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 t-shirt story. Do you want to tell the t-shirt story one more time? Of course, uh, I can do that. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, 2009, I was working at a gaming company in, in, here in Helsinki. So, my, I was an analyst at that company. So, I would I had to do analysis of various parts of that business. 
So analyzing product sales and also marketing. And uh, I was struggling with getting the data together uh, to be able to do that analysis. And I was especially struggling with uh, Google Analytics. We had a lot of websites we were tracking with GA and it was a pain to get that data together. So every week I was copy pasting numbers from their UI into, into Excel. And uh, then 2009, Google released the, the GA API. So then I figured that probably someone has made a solution to get that data from there to, to, to Excel. I went online looking for that solution. I didn't find a solution, but I, I found a forum post by, by one Google, Google guy, Nick Mihailovsky, saying that the first person who would create that kind of solution, linking uh, GA with Excel, will get a, get a free Google t-shirt. And then I thought that this is a perfect opportunity for me to try my Excel uh, scripting skills. I'm not a developer by background, but I could do a little bit of Excel scripting in, in VBA. Uh, so I could try that out, solve, solve uh, that challenge, solve, solve my own problem. And as a great bonus, I would also get the t-shirt. <laughs> and I went to work and I, I did this uh, small script of uh, maybe 50 lines of code in, in VBA. And, and, and that worked really well for, for myself and solved my problem. I didn't need to do copy pasting anymore. I, I shared that uh, script freely online. Uh, I told Nick that here, here here's what I have. I, I think it solves the problem. Nick tried it out, and uh, obviously he was he was quite uh, happy with that. And then then he sent me the T-shirt, but but he also blogged about that in the Google Analytics blog. And that blog is very widely read in, in the industry among digital marketers, among web, among web analysts. So a lot of people then started contacting me asking if I could do something more than than this simple simple script, and if I could you know link to Google Ads and, and Facebook and whatever all of these other sources and so on. So I thought about that a little bit, and, and then. After a few months, I decided I, I, leave, I leave that gaming company and I established my own business on that idea. So, so that's a, how it started. A, a business was born and now you've got <laughs> 130 employees, you've got offices around the world and you were born for a free t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my uh, serious question is, do you still have it? That's a tough question, actually. <laughs> uh, so so I, I may have it, I may have thrown it away. <laughs> I have, have this actually this, this kind of pillows in my sitting pillows, which I've stuffed with old clothes, and I hope it's <laughs> but I they're not because if, I, if it's not there, it means I've thrown it away and I've lost an important piece of history of, of the company. But I, I I don't know. But in the early years, of course, I didn't quite put that significance on the T-shirt because <laughs> it was not a huge success. Only only after after some years, it really started growing. <clears throat> So, so I remember back in the day, I was, I was working at a bank before I got into technology and computing. And I remember a very famous quote that a, uh, an investment banker, a lead, said to me. He said, I don't care where data comes from. I don't care where it goes. If I can't get in a spreadsheet, it's useless to me. <laughs> it's always stuck with me. And I never got the T-shirt. But here we are now, you know, a decade later with your business. And you've got this, you know, this huge kind of uh, set of products and everything. What's what's been the kind of the you know the the, the general uh, impetus for the growth and like where, where where's the business today versus the free T-shirt area? <laughs> yeah, so so the T-shirt thing happened 2009. I started the business 2010 as a one man one man company. I didn't really have an expectation to, to for it to ever be anything anything more than that. And for five years it was a one man company and it was, mm. it was growing slowly. Um, then. What really changed uh, the whole business was uh, 2014 when Google was planning uh, to release this Google 
uh, Google Sheets add-on add-on gallery and Google Docs add-ons as, uh, as well, and they contacted me uh, and asked if I would want to be one of the first developers to be among uh, among that that group when when they released that that gallery. And I, I had I had a decent business going on with the Excel Excel product, and and, and that's I, I guess why they contacted me. And I was stupid enough at that point to say say no to them, and I said no, I, I don't care about this that much because people get that that product mostly for free, so they are not willing to probably pay me either for for my work. Um, fortunately for me, Google then get got back to me and, and asked asked me again if I, I would like to join, and and then I, I decided I'll do something. I, I started, uh, started developing this Google Sheets add-on, and that. Mm -hmm. And that was released in 2014. That then really changed the trajectory of, of my business, and I could start hiring people and building the team and, and making this into a real, real growth uh, company. So that was the turning point uh, point around uh, around the middle of the decade. And um, yeah, now we are at uh, 35 million uh, annual recurring revenue in in, in euros and uh, 160 people in, in several locations. So, and actually. It's also want to throw it on top of that. You also have a ton of open recs on your website for hiring. Mm -hmm. uh, a real quick statement: What are you looking for, or who should they contact, or how should they get in touch with you, Martin? Do you have a link, Andy? Yep. So we have a lot of open positions, uh, especially technical ones. So developers, <laughs> if you want to join a join a <laughs> European growth rocket, uh, here's here's your chance to, to get involved. Um, and AppScript uh, developers, especially, we, we do a lot of stuff with AppScript, both in, in Google Sheets and also in, in Google Data Studio, which is another really big product area for us. Um, this, this is probably a good point to bring you in, James. So, senior software developer at Supermetrics, um, what, yeah, and you, you know, you're specializing in some of the Google AppScript side. So, what, what's your particular role uh, at Supermetrics? So um, I've been with the company about a year now, I guess just over a year. And I've worked on the kind of what we call the self-serve products, so Excel, Data Studio, Google Sheets. I've worked on each of those add-ons a little bit. And then I've kind of coming now to essentially lead dev development on the Data Studio product now, really focusing down on that. So I spend pretty much all of my time in Google Apps Script, but occasionally you'll find me also yeah, going anywhere else that stuff needs to be done. So sometimes mm -hmm. in the back end. But it's not my focus. Was uh, was Google Apps Script new when you joined? A new product was, for you when you joined? Yeah, definitely new for me. I spent much more time in embedded software before, so it was a bit of a change. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, Mikhail, you were growing organically, um, natural growth, but what, didn't you have someone on your staff or employee encourage you to go to a uh, a pitch night? Where um, did that actually happen? And then they, someone wanted to talk you into uh, share your business with us. We'll give you more money. Could you explain how how that went? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I was um, when I started started hiring people. I was actually decided that I I'll, I'll hire only technical people. So I won't need any any business people here because we just make a great product and it it will sell itself as was happening at that time. However, I was at one uh, business uh, technology conference called Slush here in, in Helsinki, and then one one marketing guy get, came to my booth and, and he managed to sell himself to me. So the, I, I hired one marketing person quite early on, uh, Chow Hanbo, and uh, and then he convinced me uh, at some point that that I should go into this pitching competition that, that they are having at Slush, and 
not to not to raise money really because we were profitable we, we didn't really need the money but but he said that it's good for for our visibility and good for marketing so so then i went to that competition and i got got really far in that and then uh i didn't quite win the competition though but but then um after that a lot of the many of the judges actually from the competition and many people in the audience they, they contacted me uh, many venture capitalists there and then then they started trying to convince me to take their money and i was quite skeptical <laughs> in the <laughs> early on but but then gradually I, i i decided that maybe it's still a good move um i get to keep the control of the company um i don't really need the money but but i i can get you know good advice from them they can help in recruitment they can you know give credibility to the company so i decided that it, it, it's it, it, it's worth uh you know giving up Uh, a small piece of the company to get that that help. Yeah, thanks for sharing that because some people in our audience they monetize their their add-ons, let's say. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to hear a life story of yourself of starting small, one-person shop, growing organically, an opportunity to pitch to explode your growth even more. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you bring up a good point there, Steve. Too, there's a lot of folks. No, there's been over a billion downloads in the marketplace. And a lot of those folks start out like you did, right? They start out smaller, an individual, you know, um, proprietor found a good idea. Sometimes the idea found them, and they were coerced to do it. And then before they know it, you know, they, they've got a pretty thriving business and a pretty great opportunity. And so that's why it's it's really unique when you browse through there and you look at all the different stories. And I think people gather to it a lot. That said, I think I would love since you said you're. Um, you started off with a pitch. I'd love to see for the folks who may not be aware of what your product does. Who's the better pitch person? Is it James? Tell us a little bit about the product. We do have a sales team. I think they would be better to pitch. I can try try to do that. Yes. All right. So so how do I technically do that? And just share. Yep. Yeah. Share it up there, and we'll promote it up on the screen. And then we'll get all out of the way so we can see full screen. When you're ready to do this, let us know. Mm-hmm. You probably don't do this every day anymore, do you? No, <laughs> you know, no. But uh, all right, do you see the the screen? Yeah, do you want? To... Oh, I see. I see the show. Oh, there we go. There, there we go. There we go. All right. So here is our product inside Google Sheets. So it's a sidebar here that mm-hmm. you can get. You know, obviously from add-ons, get add-ons, uh, supermetrics. You can find us there. Uh, then you get the sidebar. Uh, so what you have here is a query builder. So you can use this query builder to get your marketing data into into the sheet. Um, we do support a large number of different marketing mm-hmm. sources. So here you can see everything that we support. We have built integrations into into dozens of the most important ones, and we are adding new new uh, integrations all the time. Um, and if you don't have a specialized, like a native integration, then we also have a custom JSON CSV uh, kind of general purpose uh, tool that you can use to plug into any any uh, online source. That That's an amazing amount of data sources. I'm super mm-hmm. impressed with how many things you've actually managed to. Are, uh, are you like taking requests on demand from customers and adding them, or do you go out looking for new ones? Like, how do you determine all the data sources you're building to? I mean, there's so many. Uh, yeah, we actually have a have a quite a 
complicated process for that. So we, we take a lot, a lot of different inputs uh, into account when we decide with what to build. But so yeah, obviously like client, what clients are requesting, that, that's one input. So we do, do have surveys to, to the whole client mm -hmm. base. Then the biggest clients, uh, they contact our, uh, talk to with, with our sales team or our customer success team and those bigger clients, maybe they have a little bit more impact than the, the general populace. Um, then we look at uh, the, the, the APIs as like how, how difficult it is to develop uh, technically for these APIs. Uh, also, what kind of relationship we can build with that, that data source company and if they are willing to help us market the tool. Uh, help us build build the integration and, and so on so all, all different factors come come into play here it's um it's, it's a really slick looking interface and um obviously there, there's lot lots of talk around uh, card service and alternate runtimes but from what you've got here i i couldn't see that thing into those services so is, is it very much you you have to use HTML service for, for what you, your needs just because of the volume of stuff that you, you've got? Yeah, for sure. And we do do want to design kind of everything ourselves. So we haven't really even considered moving moving mm -hmm. away from there. So I think we are quite happy with having a HTML service. Yeah, and, and we hear that for, from folks. There's a little more control in the HTML, a little more flexibility as far as layout and design. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the card builder, the card framework was built to kind of Make it easier and more consistent, but it's it's still maturing. There's still improvements uh, that could probably be made to it. But I agree with you. There's, you know, there's there's times to do it with HTML service. And there's times to do it in the new version. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's nothing stopping people from even doing both. Obviously, if you wanted to hit things like Gmail or Drive or uh, Calendar, as, as also you you know you'd use the card service as well too. But this is you know, like Martin said, I, I I love your look. I think it's great. It's just it's mm -hmm. easy to scroll and, and view through and crisp and really feel like it's part of the product, which is the the whole attraction to an add-on. The the approach I've seen a lot of add-on developers take as well is they're baking in a lot of the API access into their add-on. But I'm get having played around with your I, I know that a lot of your your data is actually sitting in super metrics. Uh, so is it more of a proxy model that uh, the, the add-on that you've got is communicating with your own servers, which then might sub subsequently communicate with another API? Yes, that's the case. So so uh, obviously side, sidebar is communicating with, with app script, and then we have certain logic in app script, and then we have our like proper backend running in, in GCP and a, and AWS, where, where we have most of the kind of uh, connector logic to these different APIs and, and, uh, and our central processing logic. Um, so the, the app script side doesn't really know about the, the source mm -hmm. APIs. There's no logic related to the source APIs in, in app script. Was, was that a model that evolved quite rapidly, or is that kind of what you started off with that whole philosophy from the beginning? Yeah, I started off with that because I, I saw that uh, it's better to have that logic in the back end so we can utilize the same logic across the different products. Of course, initially I had the Excel product mm. and I built, uh, there I built the logic initially inside the, inside BBA in, in Excel. But then when I was starting to work on the Google Sheets product, then I, I realized that I, I do want to kind of generalize that logic that I, I don't want to have separate set of connectors in, in Excel and Google Sheets. So I, I moved mm. everything to the back end 
and, and then both of these products started uh, routing their queries through that uh, central backend. And now, of course, Data Studio and, and our other products, like our data warehousing products, uh, are also using the same connector logic. So we build a connector once, and it works you know, across all of these different uh, destinations. So James, uh, you, uh, you mentioned that you were more kind of data studio side, but so do, do you do any? Do you touch the the the, the sheets add-on at all? Yeah, so, we're. Um, I guess we're 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 a rapidly growing team. So um, I, I guess it's, it's basically due to history that we had the team of people who worked in GAFs, and uh, as we've been hiring and you know producing more and more features and getting bigger. It's, it's going this way now that we're kind of separating out and specializing right. more. Mm -hmm. But certainly, yeah, for the past year, I've worked on yeah all, all of the uh, customer-facing products in, in this kind of line. So in terms of this is one of the topics that comes up um, quite often. It's like we, we get very few glimpses into kind of the enterprise running of Google Apps Script. Um, and just you know how people do this on scales. Can you shed a bit of light on some of the things that you, you use in terms of um, continuous development or other bits and pieces with, with the development of your products here? Yeah, sure. Can I talk a little bit about that? I guess um, I guess uh, AppScript is, is kind of really great to get started. It really, you know, there's this editor, you can just start typing in and then you have an add-on and you're off and you have a product. And I mm. guess uh, kind of a lot of what I've been doing is, is pulling a bit more away from that. Um, there's this concept in DevOps of shift left, the idea that the nearer you can move the errors to the developer, the better the chance you have of fixing them. So rather than kind of putting straight stuff straight into the editor and then testing it in group in like the products, you're pulling it way back more to the actual developer desktop. So lots of effort into unit testing, lots of static analysis. We've migrated things across to TypeScript recently, which has, I think, been a huge win for us. Um, also pushing, but basically working out which bits of app script we can kind of mock out to make it easier to mm -hmm. simulate stuff locally. Of course, all final testing will happen in the product because it's it's pretty complicated. But yeah, I, I think that's been a big thing for us has been really making sure that as much as possible, we can replicate the, the Google environment on every developer's lap, laptop. That's been a big thing for us. And also uh, Google Clasp. The, uh, the Clasp tool has been an absolute lifesaver for just um, yeah, we, we have um, CI set up. So as soon as I'm merging stuff, I can just mm. trust that it's going to be put into a put into the, the file somewhere versioned, and it's ready to deploy whenever I want it. So that's been pretty amazing. Do you use that exclusively? Do the rest of the folks on the team use it exclusively, or does anybody bother straight with the old IDA? Is it all Clasp-based? Yeah, yeah we're pretty much all into Clasp now. Um, I guess it's been spreading for a while. We had some homebrew solution, which was basically doing the same thing. And then we realized that Clasp existed and was pretty good. So yeah, uh, most of that's useful for the local development and also for the actual deployments for production. It'll, it's really central to our deployment processes. Yeah. So I was just gonna say, Martin, why don't we jump back and see the rest of Mikhail's demo and then we can talk more about how James is building it. So I'd love to see it. Personally, I'd love to see the rest of the demo. <laughs> There we go. Awesome. You'll find one of the things we do is we get sidebar here a little bit with uh, some, of the, <laughs> some of the geeky stuff. But <laughs> All right. So yeah. So so we have the list of data sources. So 
So a typical user would first select where they want to fetch data from. Uh, of course, first you need to authenticate. So if you select a new one you haven't authenticated yet, then it would ask you to, to log into that data source. Now we have uh, Facebook ads selected here, which is one of the most popular sources that we have. Uh, then you have various selections you, you should make to, uh, to run the query. So first of all, which uh, Facebook advertising account you want to wanna fetch data from. So we can uh, use our own account. Uh, then which date range you want to fetch data from. So we can take year to date. And then what data you want to get. So which metrics. So we can get the number of impressions, the reach, uh, frequency, um, maybe the amount spent. And then we can split the data. So the uh, the power of the of the product comes from uh, being able to split that data in a very flexible ways. So if you want monthly numbers, we can do it like this. So here we have by month from the start of the year these these uh, metrics that we picked, and then if you want. A further split, you can uh, split the same data by by uh, campaign. Uh, here. Can I ask a geeky question, Charles? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So is there a particular framework you're using for the UI? React or... Um... Do you want me to hop in there? Let me go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so, um, yeah. James, go ahead. Yeah, so um, it, it's kind of classically jQuery. Most of this is built with jQuery, but bits of it are slowly migrating across to React. And uh, I think the cool thing is the schedule tab, which might come up in the demo, actually runs as a little micro front end. So the scheduler can actually be split off and tested and run completely separately. Right. And this is kind of the way we're going with more modular front ends to make it easier to test these things. Mm. Yeah. So jQuery was the only thing I, I knew when I, I built the first versions. And there's still a lot of that code around. So we are gradually <laughs> moving away from that. Um, so here's the schedule tab. So typically a user would uh, you know, run queries. Uh, maybe from different data sources, they could add calculations, add, add mm -hmm. charts based on that, uh, maybe format them to look a, bit, look a bit nicer. And then they would add a trigger to automatically uh, refresh that data. So you can put the automa automatic uh, daily refresh, for instance. Or you can even put an automatic uh, email. So that would send that as a PDF attachment or or an Excel at attachment for to your email or, or to your to someone in your organization or to your clients, if you're doing this, this for a client. Um, so that would be the typical uh, way to use the, the add-on. So in terms of the, the triggers, are you, are you just using the built-in app script trigger service for that? Uh, we do have quite a lot of our own logic uh, in addition. Mm -hmm. to that. So maybe James, do you want, want to go into some detail on that? Yeah, I guess I haven't I haven't worked so much on the uh, the new systems, but yeah, I guess originally it was just the um, app script triggers was the system mm -hmm. that was used, and there was kind of an experiment with running it entirely on the back end, mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't actually working in the company at that time, so I'm not sure for some reason that decided that wasn't actually that great. So now we're running this hybrid system we call it, where we're kind of somewhere in between 
Mm. I believe backend does a lot of the scheduling, but a lot of the logic is run through App Script. Right. And that, that mm. seems to be working really nicely for us at the minute. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we faced quite a lot of difficulty with the six minute uh, runtime of the triggers. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the queries that I, I run here for the demo were really fast, and most of the queries are fast, but some of the data sources that we, 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 we uh, support are really slow. So, so the six minutes per hour is, is simply not enough to, to uh, run those queries. So that's why we needed to, uh, to build our own system on top of that. Can you well, I, know, I know a lot of customers love their dashboards and charting. So what do you offer for that? Yep, so we have a, have a template gallery. So uh, here you, you can find a, you know, a large number of different templates that, that you can uh, uh, load in the Google Sheet. Um, and then we, of course, do offer also paid kind of services to, to build reports for you if, uh, if that's what mm. you want. But, but we do see that most of our clients in, in the Google Sheet side, the clients really do to buy the product because it offers so much flexibility uh, mm -hmm. for the client to build reports. So they typically, they don't use the templates that much and that's not something that they really, really want that much in, in Google Sheets because the users do want to build stuff on their own. And that's uh, the great thing about this product that it supports that. Of course, if you just want a beautiful dashboard, there are other tools that that are easier for for that purpose, including our own uh, Data Studio product, where, where it's really easy to get a nice looking dashboard out. Um, but the power of this tool is, is that you can really really uh, slice slice and dice the data and, and really do calculations on the data. Yeah, the flexibility again is why people normally are in the spreadsheet for the first place, right? They, you mentioned earlier, I think kind of the do-it-yourselfer model, right? The folks that mm -hmm. want to construct their own things and. They know the data well, and they they know spreadsheeting well. They just want to figure out, like I said, how do I get all my data now where I can work with it and I understand it. And it's such a it's such a great use case, and it looks so super easy to use that you're saving a lot of steps for a lot of people. I'm sure there's people that don't even fumble with the do-it-yourself way on pulling data. They just look at your tool and go, "This is too easy. Why wouldn't I do this? This just makes so much sense." Yeah, well, I I built this for my own own use case. I I very well know the struggle that analysts and marketers are having. <laughs> getting the data together. So I kind of knew very well on how I would like to solve that problem for myself. And, and it turns out that that solution yeah. then was useful for quite a lot of people. And, and I hear this question an awful lot as well, too. And I know you're, uh, you know, the foundation of your tool and a lot of the, your primary data sources are actually, you know, analytics of advertising type stuff. But do you find people are using it for other, I, mean, I know you have expanded your data sources, but are there other uses like people are using against generic data or whether it's just as a, as a better tool that's not necessarily marketing data? I mean, has it become more of a, a tool than a, than a specific, you know, uh, niche platform for, for analytics? Is it other use cases? There, definitely there are, there are other use cases. Uh, even for, for the very first connector, like Google Analytics, of course you can use that for, for other purposes than just kind of marketing related. Uh, right now, for instance, we, we do see a lot of people actually fetching different kind of COVID data sets um, mm. from uh, various sources. That's quite interesting. We haven't you know, followed up on what, what exactly these, these clients are doing or, or who they are, but we do see that, the, um, that the, our, our kind of general purpose connector, the custom JSON CSV XML connector, that is being used to fetch, fetch a lot of COVID-related related data sets. So there are, are actually quite a few uh, non-marketing uh, use cases as well. Mm. 
That's pretty cool. I know there's a, a big researcher community um, out there using Google Sheets. Uh, I occasionally get contacted by one or two PhD <laughs> students or, uh, you know, looking to do stuff. So uh, it's, it's really interesting that you, you have that flexibility that people are exploring the product in ways that you, you'd never really envisioned. Uh, there, there was actually a question. So obviously there, there's a lot of layers in terms of uh, the interface there on, on the add-on. And um, uh, Joshua Snyder was just asking, it's probably for you, James, are, you know, are there tools or frameworks that you're using for your the testing of add-ons? Yeah, I guess um, we're, I, I say we're still relatively early in the testing journey in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So the back end is, is very well tested, I would say. There's a lot of system level tests, unit, unit tests, everything you would expect from a, from a kind of well-tested piece of software. Um, on the gas side, we've been pushing towards doing a lot of local tests. Obviously, this does mean if you're running things in Node, you're going to miss out on all the gas built-ins. So we have been doing quite a lot of mocking to get around those mm. and I'm working more and more on making sort of better mocks. So Jest is kind of our go-to unit test tool. Also started doing a bit of browser automation with Puppeteer. This is something we're, I'm kind of not sure whether it's worth committing to this path because mm. as soon as you start writing these very intense UI testing tests, you know, it can be quite difficult getting through like the Google auth screens and then clicking a button somewhere in the Google Sheets um, UI. So I was actually ma mainly using this at a couple of use cases. Um, we have a whole load of data studio templates which you can ac access from our website. So I have a bot that goes through those every morning and just checks that there aren't any right. big error messages on them because that's very easy. That wasn't hard to mm -hmm. code up. Also, we have a thing that watches the load time on the sidebar, on the Google Sheet sidebar, mm. because that's something we should worry about. So every so often, I'll have a bot just go and open it and time how long it takes to see the sidebar, because these are things that we should be monitoring. Mm. And it's it's very easy to do that with uh, uh, an automation framework like Puppeteer. Yeah. And how do you manage your release schedule and processes? I mean, are you doing more incremental changes? Do you do larger? Do you, you know, bundle changes up so you have less user destruction? What's your kind of your approach to, you know, re-upping the add-on? So this depends, I guess, on where the change is. Backend changes are pretty much continuous deployment right. because it's very, very smooth for us to deploy things directly into the backend. And, you know, we have all the smart replacements, so we don't have to worry about bothering jobs that have been running for a long time. The servers will just update as and when they can. And that's very stable. So that, that, that works really well. When it comes to the gas side, I would say Google Sheets is in a pretty good place where you can push small changes very quickly. We rely on Clasp to get the code into the, basically into the document and versioned. And then it's just a matter of when you feel like it's time to deploy, which is normally every every merge to master, then we will just go and click the deploy button. We're kind of, we haven't quite automated away the deploy button yet, but that's the next step. <laughs> and uh, Data Studio is in a, a whole new, whole world of deployments. Basically, because of the structure of our app, we have, uh, there are at least 70 Data Studio connectors now, each of which is its own separate app script project. And a lot of the code is shared into a app script library. That was kind of the original structure we went for because of course you don't want to write the same code over and over again. Most of the connectors, I'd say 95% of connectors are 95% identical. And there's a few which are completely different. But it does mean that 
although I can automate the pushing out to the library, there's a lot of work there to kind of propagate that change and bump the dependencies on the connectors. So that tends to be more of a batch change. But we have plans to very soon move that across to basically drop the dependency on app script libraries and use NPM packages to manage dependencies locally. And we'll just build bundles, which will then be much easier for us to deploy. Because you imagine if I want to do a one-line change, which affects all connectors, I don't want to be clicking 80 deploy mm -hmm. buttons. I'd like mm -hmm. to just push it out and use Semver to make sure that you know, only safe things go out quickly. Is That's your use of NPM possible just because the, the V8 engine on the back end is modern? <laughs> <laughs> We're actually still using uh, the old Rhino engine. There's a few things we're, we're still reliant on, but uh, V8 is coming. But um, we actually pass everything through Webpack before it gets to AppScript now. So this was very useful for being able to use the latest and greatest bits of TypeScript and JavaScript right. without ever having to worry about whether it's supported. So mm. I, you know, I, I compile everything down to ES3 to put it into AppScript, and that seems mm. to work pretty well. Right, this is the advantage of using TypeScript. Exactly, <laughs> that has been school coder. In terms of, I was sorry, as I said, do you have any expectations, or you, you even uh, experimented with what it would look like on, on running on V8? Yeah, I, I've I've run Data Studio a few, uh, through a few times. I think there's one thing I've identified that doesn't currently work for us with the way we're doing it. So, very soon we'll be moving to V8. Uh, Google Sheets is another question. I think there's a, a few more dependencies there and things yeah. we have to change before we can move. But I'd expect Data Studio to go in the next few months. That's awesome. And I'm excited to see how that affects performance and things. In terms of monitoring as well, um, I, I, I know there's, you know, there's uh, one of our regular contributors, Bruce McPherson, I think, is doing a series of blog posts around this. And you know he's looking at various methods, including uh, Google Analytics is your kind of add-on and data studio monitoring. Is that many done through the the stack driver logging? So yeah, um, everything in the back end, obviously, is kind of almost free to log in the back end. So we have very extensive logs being collected there, and we use tools like Datadog to have automated alerts on those things. So I guess back end is. Yeah, Kibana, Datadog, tools like that to help us monitor mm -hmm. and automatically make sure we catch any new issues. Um, for gas, we you make a lot of use of Stackdriver. I just put in a what I think is a pretty nice little thing where obviously we have a lot of users, and if you try and log all the information to Stack to Stackdriver, you just drown in logs instantly. So I uh, think two weeks ago we finally pushed out a thing where basically logging is like cached for everyone and then only dumped to the point where there's an error. So that's been, that's been working really nicely for us now. So I can basically just turn it down to absolute minimal. I'll just, you know, for most users, I just mm -hmm. see get data success. Okay, I'm happy with that. But if there is a problem, then I'll get a full debug output for everything that happened. So we're using that. And then also fair reporting GA, a lot of data goes to um, Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's imported blurring tool into some spreadsheets, which are watched by the project <laughs> managers. <laughs> I think we just lost Mikhail. I mean, maybe we got a little late for him since it's uh, you know kind of tough his name. Hopefully, he's quite a bit. Hey, but while we're waiting for him to jump back, uh, we've got another question, James, from uh, Josh Snyder for you. Uh, back to kind of the Rhino conversation. Do you use Rhino runtime because of any issues it triggers, or just because you didn't necessarily get around to to 
making the upgrade? Yet? Um, in this case, not triggers. I'm not aware of us experience, experiencing issues with triggers. I know that the one thing that's keeping data suited at the minute is there's there's an open bug to do with using the JDBC connector when that's in a library. Mm. Yeah. So that's the one thing that's keeping me. But since we're about to move away from the library, it's not going to matter. So maybe there are some trigger issues, but I've honestly spent more time looking at moving Data Studio because I just know if you look at the code bases, Data Studio for us is a lot smaller and slicker. I guess just because of the model of the product, it's right. you know you need to have basically four entry points and then just functions that process data. Whereas our Sheets product does a billion things, and there's all these uh, power <laughs> user things in there. <laughs> With such a, a large customer base, are are you constantly checking the Google Apps Script issue tracker as well? Just kind of bracing we, yourself. We, we definitely keep an eye on that, but I guess uh, mm. we're basically a company built on connecting with other people's APIs, so. I think we have to keep an eye on a lot of issue trackers. Mm. <laughs> you can imagine. So, so you're, you're like a juggler with 28 balls in the air. It's not just like <laughs> you've got every, you connect to so many different data sources. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sure your customers let you know real fast too if something's not working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to learn your alert system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, is there? Do you actually communicate with the customers through the add-on itself, or does it kind of like a link to a form? Because uh, sometimes if there's an update, it's nice to inform anyone who opens up that spreadsheet, maybe have a pop-up to say, hey, you got an update. So um, not so much in Data Studio. The, the kind of options for controlling the UI in Data Studio are much more limited, and the space is a lot tighter. So. There, I think pretty much the only interaction we have is a form will pop up and ask you some questions when you first start using it. But that's kind of hacked into a stepped config. And it's kind of <laughs> one of my least favorite bits of code. <laughs> um, but yeah, certainly in, in, in the sidebar for Google Sheets, we have a whole series of pop-ups that can appear and do appear. There's tool tips. There's all sorts of interactivity. Mm. I'm not sure if it's running in a minute, but we did have a chat window there at one point as well. But maybe that was taken out. I can't remember. Mm. That's interesting. In terms of Data Studio and the, I, I guess the the existing model you, that you've got with you know a lot of the stuff is running on Supermetrics servers. Was it other than having seventy odd <laughs> different connectors? Is, is it been quite an easy journey to integrate with that product? Yeah, I, I can say the, the docs are pretty great for Data Studio, so I, I've been enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think writing for Data Studio is nice because it's pretty simple as long as you know that you basically have four mm -hmm. functions to implement. And as long as you don't mess those up, you're going to have a working connector. So I'm enjoying that. I'm, I'm kind of an advocate for, I say, small f functional programming, not going too hardcore, but Data Studio model really works well for just considering how pipelines of data and everything's immutable. It works really nicely. So if somebody comes up with a great idea for the next add-on, what would your advice to them be to get their arms around going from that one-person shop to the you know the smooth machine you've got today? Knowing what you know now, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've made some not wrong terms, but you know. Some that maybe went sideways for a little while. What's your, what, what would your, your coaching or your guidance be? 
that stuff. I, I think it, it, it was a, quite a bit easier when, when the gallery was released and there was like 20 add-ons. Now there are probably like mm. hundreds. Yeah. Um, I guess it's still not impossible if you, if you do a really good add-on, you have an original idea. Um, some, you know, do, we do see like add-ons now like that are just copying our idea and doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah. I don't think that will be a huge success for anyone. But if you come up with something new, I think it's probably still possible to do. do yeah, it's funny. I think I think you're right about that. I mean, you've got a great product with obviously a great track record, and um, but it's funny. I look at other use cases in the marketplace, and there are items that kind of duplicate each other, or kind of you know elbowing for the same you know shelf space, so to speak. Uh, my favorite example, and we love to talk about it here, is it's kind of a almost a running joke is the mail merge, right? There's been so many people, you know, even the fact that a company released one called yet another mail merge, uh, because it's yet another mail merge. But you do see, you see obviously these different flavors for success. To your point, I think the good solutions, you know, they get more downloads, they get better reviews, they survive, they thrive, they grow. Um, you know, but I've seen some released recently that, you know, come out of nowhere and they, they, they do super well, super fast. I think one of the big things is I always ask, and I always wonder is around awareness. Like you said, how do you, you know, how do you, or what would you like to see as ways you could actually stand out better in the marketplace like what are some of the things we're doing i mean now you know as you know the user has to find their way into add-ons and say i want to find an add-on and then when i do find that add-on i have to kind of know what i'm looking for or know who to trust what would you uh what would you advice you give us or advice you give somebody else trying to figure out how do you stand out in the, in the marketplace yeah i would say like uh, of course you know um the the rating system like uh surfacing the quality add-ons by, by ratings. I, I think right now there's a lot of uh, actually fake ratings, a lot of spam there, and that's not helpful at all. So, uh, you know, if, if there's anything you guys can do, do about that, I think that would, <laughs> that would be great. Um, like, and maybe for, for Google to, to, you know, find the real quality add-ons, not necessarily the highest rated if those are, you know, spam ratings, <laughs> all of them, but but you know the actually really quality quality add-ons that do something yeah. something new and, and and help promote those ones and, and have no, very I, yeah. yeah absolutely and a couple of these like I said the ratings could be you know people's cousins and brothers and relatives putting in the great ratings or you know someone who's a competitor putting in bad ratings sure and, and we totally understand that you know the neat thing is you know we're kind of resurrecting the recommended for work recommended for a workspace um, so obviously those are going to be verified vetted and and, and add-ons that actually are prolific and um, you know, there's a process now where you can apply for it. I know you guys have already applied for it and uh, that's in the process of being vetted, but that's going to be awesome. But it, it kind of shows that folks actually have not just a fly by night who threw this together, you know, over the weekend and all of a sudden, you know, launching yet, yet, yet another uh, thing to, to, to bring males together. So I a hundred percent with you uh, agree on that with the marketplace and, and getting it out there. I guess one of the questions is what what's next for supermetrics? You know, where is it just growth, growth, growth? <laughs> we, we do hope <laughs> yeah. Have you got so, lots more APIs that you, you you and other vendors that you're you're looking at to to integrate with? Yeah, that's kind of the obvious uh, growth path for us, like adding adding new APIs, and that's of course where we put a lot of effort. So the client base is constantly asking us to add, add new, new sources and and we do have a big team to, to develop those sources and also to improve the current connectors and maintain maintain them. Of course, you know, when we, we have like 
almost a hundred different connectors, just maintaining mm-hmm. them is, is a huge task. Um, beyond that, we are, we are looking at various things like uh, expanding the destination. So now we, we, we started from spreadsheets, then we moved into Google Data Studio. We support some other BI tools as well. Uh, and more lately, we also moved into data warehousing. So if you want your marketing mm-hmm. data into, into Google BigQuery, for instance, then, then we support that as well. So, you know, we can support you wherever you are on your, your data journey. So having products for each of these different uh, kind of uh, steps in, in, in the way. Um, and maybe the next steps there is, you know, we make it very easy to get the data. So how can we add more value on, on top of that data? So bringing some uh, other interesting data sets on top of that data, enriching that data, adding other kinds of logic there, um, making, making that data more useful. Um, and then we are also looking at, at how we can um, do go beyond reporting and analytics. So also feeding back into the sources. So can we offer recommendations to the marketers mm-hmm. on what they should be doing in the in the, in the advertising uh, side and, and maybe you know even um, giving them like kind of click here to to put this this recommendation into effect. And that could be quite quite interesting as well. Hey, Bart, we got a question from Josh Snyder, wants to know how they can apply to be recommended. Can you throw up one of those links that we can share and let them know? So it's a simple form you fill out and uh, there's a link, you can find it uh, directly from one of the posts or if you can put the short link up there, maybe you can screenshot that and plop it down and, and, and go forward. Oh, you're making me work, man. I, I know, I'm right. sorry. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, on it, okay, on it. Don't yeah. <laughs> No, but we want to have more folks in the program, and that, that would be super. That would be super awesome. So, see if you could do that. So, uh, while Martin's doing that, um, not that I'm promising anything, but what would you ask of us? What do you think Google needs to do to kind of either help your business or help other businesses like yourselves? Or what you know, what's kind of the next thing you ask for? What's the big vision type of thing too? I mean, um, you know, I know that's an open-ended question, an open ticket, and it's not necessarily one I expect to pay off. But what do you what do you think is this kind of the, the things you'd like us to see from making the platform, making the tools, making the journey, making the you know, the experience better for either you or uh, you know other, other folks like you? Can I ask another uh, big vision thing, but but a kind of small technical thing that I've been asking for the past six years. Six uh, years, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> and, and with Excel add-ons support, by the way. Uh, so. When you, when you have the sidebar, why couldn't we have events like changing the active cell in the spreadsheet uh, called directly into the, into the client code in the sidebar? So we could do something in the sidebar right. immediately uh, yeah. uh, responding to events that the, the client does there. Because right now we need to have uh, this continuous calling to the right. Google right. App Script to that detect any changes. And that's just, it's slow and it's inefficient and it's just stupid. Yeah, so the one thing the new add-ons give you is it gives you a little more interactivity with the document, right? I can do things and change things in the document, but you're you're right, having the notion of the document firing off to the add-on will be super nice. Uh, you may want to keep asking for that. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree, it's good to have, you know, one of the challenges you mentioned is performance, the other one you managed, obviously mentioned is safety. And so it's kind of making sure that the, you know, there's no, uh, you know, no challenges that add-ons bring to the native spreadsheets themselves. But you're, you're right. I think it's, you know, having more of that integration. Um, keep 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 that one in mind. I think you know, there's, there's there's lots of things they're looking at to figure out how we bring these things closer together. Fans has got one, I think it's a long-standing issue. I don't know 
Mikael and James, is this, this is something that comes up quite often from your customers? Yeah, yeah definitely. Kind of, this, is, yeah. this is the second issue that I would bring up. Mm. And, and, and my other one, and I've asked repeatedly uh, to the point where the PMs ask me to stop asking because I would like nicer uh, error messages and nicer, you know, the my favorite is the one where it says, you know, are you sure you want to run this? Turn back, warning, danger, you know, go back to safety. <laughs> like oh, a little harsh. When any human here is go back to safety, they normally do go back to safety. <laughs> so I think it would be nice if we kind of um, kind of didn't do that. Which brings me on to another question I do want to ask you. So the profile of your average user, most of your users probably work for companies, right? They're not, I mean, there's probably some folks that are on their own and maybe some folks are working in their own, with their own, you know, public domain account. But how do you, how do you approach getting around the admin journey for somebody who's like, I have this, you have a user that discovers your tool, wants your tool, needs your tool, but they're on the marketing team. And they've got to go convince somebody back on the IT that, Supermetrics is this company from Finland is super safe. How do you work with your customers? Like what's the advice you give? Or how many times do you have an angry admin on the phone saying, please stop giving these things to my users? What's the approach you take to kind of move <laughs> over the hearts and minds of the folks that own the domain, not just the folks that love your product? Mm. We, we actually haven't seen too, too much difficulty in the Google side on that. Maybe on the Excel side, there are more conservative companies and it's, it's more, more difficult to on that on the google side you know i think typically that the users they may test out with their own gmail first uh to see if the product works and then they can you know show to their you know superiors or their it team that it actually it's, it's a really useful tool and then they can convince um convince their it of course if they do contact us we do do provide some good good helpful points there you know we've been in the market for many years we've never had any problems with with data security, uh, we have the the SOC two um, certification. Um, we do have you know, hundreds of thousands of users, and I know you know pretty much all the all the big companies, including Google, is using our product. So yeah. it's also some proof that uh, you know we can be trusted. One of the big things, and I'm I'm a novice on this, but one of the big things I always hear about is like the EU data protection laws are way stricter and firmer than in the US. In the US, we give data to everybody. Uh, obviously, the EU is way more stringent, right? Are there things you have to do differently there, or, or is there anything affecting your business that you have to actually look out for? Is there any other certifications you have to run through because you're you're selling a lot to the EU? Yeah, for sure. So when GDPR came into effect, we needed to do quite a quite a lot of changes. So so we moved uh, all the European customer data into into Europe. Uh, so before that, it was in, in the US. So that was a, a big, um, big, big technical thing that we did, needed mm -hmm. to do, and of course, there's a lot of kind of paperwork that we need, need to do as well. Mm -hmm. like, place all right. that, <laughs> everything that GDPR requires, basically. But, but we managed to do that. It's it's not a problem for us, and I, I think mm -hmm. in general we are we are quite um, happy with uh, GDPR as a system. Like it, it offers protection, and it, for our business, it, it doesn't really hurt us because we don't really. Uh, deal with personal level data. Uh, right. Not in a few few minor use cases, but for most part, we deal with aggregate data. data. So, your campaign campaign level data. How does your this advertisement uh, perform versus this other advertisement? We don't, you know, have much personal data at all going through our system. 
that makes sense. No, that's good to hear though, because I know that that's a you know, it's obviously a concern of customers. Obviously, developers who you know don't have a you know a law degree on data protection are like, oh, now what do I have to do with this? Because I always just go, ah. <laughs> so, uh, Steve and I used to have Jetpack Care, and then we found out about GDPR, and uh, it's aged us significantly. The lawyers definitely were quite happy yeah. with GDPR, and we also, you know, I can't even remember how much we paid them, but. You know, I think it can be a challenge for you if you're doing this uh, on your own and you can't afford this, uh, you know, put, put 100K on, on, on lawyer expenses to make all the documents. Yeah. It can be difficult. Yeah, we and we hear that too. That's another question. I, you know, obviously, you know, this is your business and you've been successful at it and you have them use it. But we do hear from, you know, again, folks like you were a decade ago. You know, the barrier of entry is kind of rough, right? If I have to go get certified and spend fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollars and get my own attorney and all this, you know, before I make a nickel, I got to spend a lot of not just dimes but dollars and euros. Um, what's your advice or approach there? Like, what would you tell someone uh, to, to think about when it comes to approaching that? Uh, I know that, that those things I, I, they didn't exist back, you know, a decade ago when the marketplaces were a little more wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. It's Tough. Probably, if I, I can't say that's an advice, but I would probably just, you know, just go ahead and and do stuff until I'm at the scale where I I, I actually need to care about. Do you, do you ever do? Do you ever do you have any direct deployments of your products, or do you do everything through the marketplace? Like, do you have any? Uh, through yeah, through the marketplace. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think again, it's like a lot of add-in writers they're they're going to do that as a first first to you know going directly. You can reach a much larger audience by mm -hmm. being in a marketplace versus you know obviously having inside sales or just talking people through things. Yeah, it'd be kind of hard. yeah the marketplace has been really really good for us. No, that's good to hear. No, that's good. That's good worth it. No. My 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 advice, Charles, on that aspect of you know data protection requirements and so on is um, you can do a lot of on-the-job training. I, I knew nothing about GDPR three years ago, and now I'm talking to our <laughs> policy officers about a yeah, lawful basis, and can we do something? So I think there's a lot of information out there. Uh, yeah, no, I think there is a lot out there. I think, you know, the funny thing about being in the US, yeah. we have many flavors of our own, driven <laughs> by our, our federal and, and uh, mm. our governments, and so, it's you know it's like speaking multiple languages. I love the fact that you get a couple of guys from uh, well, th three guys from New York who speak multiple languages. You know, Steve and I are still trying to figure out the you know the first language we got. So uh, I love the fact that uh, you, you seem more flexible in New York. So but, uh, that's awesome. Well, I'm, I think I we're at time. Fine. But I want to show off. I've still got my. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> He's got the T-shirt. That's where it went. <laughs> <laughs> <There> we <go. laughs> so. I actually forgot to put on mine, so. <laughs> I just need to start a company now. <laughs> well, I just like to say on behalf of everybody listening in and, and, and ourselves, thanks so much for joining us. Mm. Uh, it was really enlightening. It was great to hear your story. Also, thanks for your, your support and, and uh, just congrats on your success. And um, that was uh, it's tremendous. Thanks yeah. a lot for, for having us here. Yeah, we're looking forward yeah. to continuing to watch the, 
the journey. Yeah, and I also want to thank thank Google for for you know giving giving me and us this opportunity to you know, develop these add-ons, and it's been quite an experience for sure. Absolutely, awesome. <laughs> You've still got your hair, so you can hold that. <laughs> a, a good experience. Sorry. I, I think that's because we're moving into a good direction. <laughs> Early years. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Thanks, Mikhail. Thanks, James. It's been really fascinating on, on, on what you're doing at Supermetrics. Um, oh, something we should mention, actually, before we go. One final thing. One final thing. Um, I know... Uh, James, you have been starting to, uh, I haven't got the link here, but you've been starting to share some of the, the Supermetrics insight in, in terms yeah, of development. We, so I think you've got a blog set up now. Yeah, we just started a um, dev blog on um, dev.to, never really sure how to pronounce that. So I think there's actually only one article up at the moment, which is me. But yeah, definitely hoping to spread more about what we're doing with that script and also on the back end. I, I think there'll be some good insights there over time, but bear with us while we get it started. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Uh, i just put that in the chat for the folks at home. Uh, so thanks. yes, and thanks everyone who um, contributed in the chat. It was great to have your comments and um, your your kind of community sharing of approaches that you, you have as well. So thanks for that. Uh, and I think, given the time, we will say goodbye and uh, see you all next time. But happy scripting. Bye. Bye.